welcome to the Post Victory Formation Podcast. Tune in every Wednesday to hear us talk about this week's top NFL news in our games of the week. All right, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Post-Victory Formation Podcast. You've got Mike and Kyle here, and we are going to break down the conference championship games. Oh, one and a half games, we'll say. Um, we will look at the head coaching changes in the NFL. We had a couple hirings go down today. And then we will uh, we'll do a little dabbling with the Super Bowl. Um but I really want to focus on our two, our one and a half games we had last week and the coaching changes. So we'll get into it. Um, Mike, I guess I honestly don't have a lot to say about the first game, 49ers Eagles. Both the 49ers quarterbacks die, and the game pretty much ends. So, die. yeah, that, <laughs> that, that, that was not much to say about that one. No, I was going to say, uh, Christian McCaffrey did pretty good with his one passing attempt. I mean, he, he almost matched Brock Purdy's attempts. But, uh, no, it was rough. I mean, good for Brock Purdy to go back out into the game after he tore his, what is it? His, I believe his UCL. Yeah, UCL, yeah, in his arm. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Josh Johnson got his, you know, got his big hurrah coming back, but. There's a reason why Josh Johnson's been on like 13 different teams in the last whatever years. And Brock Purdy, I think it would have been a different outcome if he would have stayed in the game and didn't get injured. Christian McCaffrey did literally about all he could do, 15 attempts, 84 yards, and one touchdown against that Eagles defensive line. That's a pretty good number. But the stats were non-existent i mean the leading receiver was debo samuel with 33 yards there, there there was nothing nothing was going on no touchdowns by any of the receivers I, I, no quarterback for those receivers no no quarterback uh, we, I, I, there's nothing to even talk about the 49ers yep so eagles get the win sirianni and gang they're off to the super bowl and they will be facing the Kansas City Chiefs in what was a pretty entertaining game, and it looked a lot like last year's AFC Championship game where Chiefs got ahead early, Bengals came back, but the Chiefs uh, just kept everything in front of them. Joey B, he had a couple bad interceptions that uh, that really turned out to be the difference in the game. Um Kansas City was able to avoid the big mistake. You could tell Mahomes wasn't 100%. I'd say he was probably about 80%. He played well. And I think the most impressive thing about it, Mike, is if you look at what happened with the wide receiving core, it got pretty decimated throughout the game. And for Mahomes to stick it out and, you know, utilize MVS utilize um oh his name escapes me um sky Moore. sky Moore. yep out of western michigan uh he got he he was able to elevate those guys which uh 
MVS we know is good, but Sky Moore, it's been pretty quiet this year. But on a team like the Chiefs, it's easy to have happen with all the weapons around. But Mahomes, being the quarterback he is, he elevated those guys' level of play, and they were able to get the win, win the AFC, and they're off to the Super Bowl. Dude, and at the end of the day, I don't care what receiver goes down for the Chiefs. I mean, MVS, Travis Kelsey, McKinnon, Sky Moore, McCole Hardman, Kadarius Tooney, Juju Smith-Schuster. I, you could keep losing receivers, and you still have just an incredible bench to come in and fill those spots. And, you know, great tight end. They had the rushing game was decent. Easy on the word decent, but they got, they did enough to win, you know, when you're getting three third and nines somehow. And (sighs) yeah, and there was a little biased, I think, in that game. Well, I, I want to sidetrack for a second here because you bring up that third down play that the Bengals were able to stop. They send the punt team out and then the refs are like, no, hold on. The play was actually blown dead, but so we need to, we need to go rerun that play. Now, granted Kansas city still was not able to convert, but I think the state of officiating in the NFL is really, I don't think we've seen a year where it's been brought, you know, more light. It's been brought on the subject. And I think rightly so. I mean, we've got, we've had a lot of these refs where, you know, games are being won and lost on the backs of the refs. And I know, you know, if you're an NFL fan, you feel like your team's been on the raw end of a deal of a coach or a referee's decision at some point. But we go back, we look at the Seahawks Rams game to end the year. I mean, the calls that were made against the Rams that influenced the outcome of the game and even other team representatives that didn't have anything to do with that game said as much. And, as we know, the NFL refs, they're still not, they're, they're a part-time, they're part-time jobs. They're not, it's not their full-time job to be an NFL official. Very high paid part-time job. Correct. But at the same time, all of the other leagues, which aren't as big as the NFL, they pay their refs full-time and it's their, the, your job is I'm an NBA referee, I am an NHL referee, I'm an MLB umpire, referee, whatever. I think the NFL needs to take a hard look in the mirror and make these guys a make them a full-time job because it's gotten to the point now where there's no accountability. You don't have to hear from the refs after the game. They're they're a protected class citizen. And with the NFL being as popular as ever, I don't understand why they're not why they're not full time employees. Yeah, and on 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 like how you were saying being held accountable. <clears throat> Remember when they had the uh, oh shit, I forgot who it was, but the referees were going in the tunnel and asked for somebody's signature, and they said all oh, that it wasn't, and 
You can clearly see no. that the roughs were getting this guy's signature. Clearly. And, and not that that has anything to do with the games and we're getting off track, but they're just not held accountable for anything. They can't be touched. I think after the season, they need to go to you know class or whatever. And granted, they have an extremely hard job, and we appreciate everything we do because, please, we do never need fucking replacement reps again. Right. Never, ever, yep. ever again. That was Mike Evans. They were getting Mike Evans' signature. <laughs> That's what it was. So, like, we never need replacement reps again. And I know, like, they're doing good, but well, it's they're, fucking... they're not. They're not doing good. But what they need to, what they need to do, if it were me, the NFL just announced the new salary cap for this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. I think what they could have done is pulled a portion out of the salary cap and just dedicated that to paying refs to become full-time employees of the NFL. It's a one-year deal as far as, you know, maybe the salary cap doesn't go up as much as teams would anticipate. But for the betterment of the game, I feel like this is something that NFL management from the let me take that back i feel like nfl team management would be willing to make that sacrifice to increase the overall quality of the game make for a better product out on the field because there's there's very few examples but you do hear them on occasion but there's you don't hear the level of criticism about officiating as you do, you don't hear as much about it as you do with the NFL refs. And what's the common denominator? They're not full-time employees. It's a part-time gig. And like you said, Mike, it's a very well-paying part-time gig, but it's part-time nonetheless. And I think, yep. I think the NFL is behind the times and really needs to modernize their thought on the officiating process and making those guys full-time. Yeah, they need to do something because it's just getting out of hands. I don't know what a roughing the fucking passer call is anymore, and I don't know what a, the uh, we, we don't anything know holding I mean, calls. We or, could even go back to the half game between the 49ers and the Eagles. A.J. Brown had that catch that was not a catch. He even indicated, like, whoa, we better hurry up and get to the line because I, I don't think I caught that ball. And no, it was, it was Devonta Smith. Oh, I'm sorry. It was Devonta Smith. But yeah, yeah, they he, they he, he knew he didn't catch the ball. You could watch the replay up in the jumbotron in the game. Like everybody in the stands can right. see that. Right, and there was no no call for the sky judge, no expedited review, nothing. So it's tough because this year, especially, it seemed like every game you could take two or three glaring examples of negligent referee behavior and whether it affects the outcome of the game. I mean, did that affect the outcome of 49ers Eagles? No, but I I don't want to say it's something that needs to be addressed going forward because the, the path that we're the NFL is going down is not sustainable right now. No. And I, and I don't want to say that the refs, Mess too much with the Bengals and Kansas City game or game as well because at the end of the day, Joey B threw two interceptions. He had a QBR rating of seventy six point one. That's not what you want to bring 
to the conference championship game. 26 of 41 attempts. Yeah. And- that's that's not what you want to bring. I know we got all pissed off at the refs that fucking game. I Everybody was texting me irritated. But at the end of the day, your QBR was 76.1%. Yeah. You had a 63% passer rating. One touchdown and two interceptions. That's not good. You know, as much as as much as we like Joe Burrow, I heard the stat and it was very interesting. He's only had one game ever in the playoffs where he scored more than twenty eight points. So where the Bengals offense scored more than twenty eight points. Yeah. So when you're playing a team like Kansas City, twenty, you got to score at least twenty eight most of the time, and that play late. You can't shove a quarterback that deep out of bounds. It's just one of those things. I know it's heat of the moment, but I was not mad at that call. I didn't like it because I'm rooting for the Bengals, but I, it's a call that had to be made. And I assure you that will never happen by him again because he was on the sidelines for the longest time bawling his eyes out, which I would probably be doing the same. I'm not going to lie, but it came down to the final play of the drive. Bengals defense had to step up. They dropped it on that. And now we're going to be watching a Kansas city and Eagles super bowl. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll get into that game. We might talk, we might touch on it a little bit today. If not next week, for sure. Um, I guess Mike will transition into our head coaching hires. We had two head coaches get hired today. Um, the big one was um, Sean Payton. Sean Payton, yes. It's, I had a brain lapse there for a second. <laughs> Sean Payton going to the Broncos. And then we also had D'Amico Ryans going to the Houston Texans. And late last week, we heard about Frank Wright going to the Carolina Panthers. So, Mike, of these three head coaches, who do you think's best set up for immediate success? So, uh, yeah, I did. I'm glad you asked that because best set up, right off the bat, everybody knows Sean Payton. For one, coached. Okay, argued. let me pause. You think you think Sean Payton is is – is ready-made success. That's all Denver. That's all Denver needed. Yep. Okay. Continue. Okay. The reason I have a why. Different opinion than you. <laughs> okay. Perfect. So, Russell Wilson. We see what Sean Payton did with quarterbacks. What he could do with quarterbacks, and like, who's that bum ass that played for Tampa Bay? They came to Saints. Um, yeah, Mr. Eat the Dubs. That's so, right. So he was garbage. Jameis Winston. I'm sorry. Jameis James, yeah, Jameis Winston. James yeah. So Winston. garbage for the Buccaneers. Comes there, plays underneath Drew Brees a little bit, has Sean Payton as a head coach, really turned around his quarter, like being a quarterback. Yeah, looked like a functioning quarterback. And I think Sean Payton. I think everybody sees that Russell Wilson needs a fucking good coach because um, he looked great with Pete Carroll, and then he goes to the Buccaneers, has Nathaniel – I'm sorry, goes to the Broncos, has Nathaniel Hackett, and just falls straight on his fucking face. So I think the good coach is going to help out there. 
Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. You got Tim Patrick, who was injured for most of the year. I think he's a great wide receiver. Young core. They've got the offensive. I think they have a decent offensive line, and I think Sean Payton being there, having his name tied to the Broncos organization with a lot of money. You know, Walmart's family owns it. They have the money. I know the salary cap got raised. People are going to want to come there. They're going to want to play under Russell Wilson, even with what how it was last year. They have Sean Payton. They're going to want to come there. They're going to be able to pull some big names, good prices, and I think they're going to be an instant success there. And I think you see them knocking on the door of the playoffs next year. See, my problem is I don't. I they don't have a decent O line. That that was one of my concerns initially with. Um, Russell going to Denver from Seattle. The last few years in Seattle, he didn't have a good offensive line. He gets frustrated and leaves and goes to another situation to another team that doesn't have a good offensive line. And look what happens. He he was getting sacked left and right. He wasn't showing a willingness to scramble. That being said, I do agree that if Russell Wilson has anything left in the tank, that Sean Payton will be able to get it out of him. I feel like Sean Payton will not allow the Team 3 antics to drive what the Broncos do as an organization. Um, he's, an, he's an adult in the room. He's established. He's a name brand, like you said. But I don't think he is going to have the instant success that you think he's going to. I think the team will be good. They may contend for a wild card spot, but you got to remember, they still got to play the Kansas City Chiefs twice a year. They've got to play the Chargers, which I think I think their Kellen Moore offensive coordinator hiring is super interesting. I think that may be what Justin Herbert needed to elevate. Um, and then you've got the Raiders, which there's some questions as what the Raiders are going to do um, if. Post Derek Carr, if they're going to go after Tom Brady, if they're going to, I got to stop you for a second. I got to stop you for a second. Just on a bullshit note, did you see that Derek Carr is a backup for the? Yep. uh, (laughs) Yeah, he headed back, headed back to Vegas. They said if 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 we ever see you again, it'll be too soon. And flash forward to the NFL all. Oh, there's the so many better games. Yeah, there's Pro there's Bowl so many Pro Bowl games. <laughs> there's so many more quarterbacks. I want to. Anyways, carry on. Yeah. I'm sorry. So, anyways, that I don't think that Sean will be the guy to have the most success. And Mike, you disagreed on this hire because I thought it was a good hire, but I think Frank Wright with the Panthers is going to have the easiest path to have immediate success. Not so much from a roster standpoint on Carolina, but Mike, let's look at the NFC South as a whole. Who is good in the NFC South? Nobody. Nobody. And the Bucks won the won the NFC South. Barely. Everybody, yes, barely. Everybody thinks, and it seems like it's a well-known fact that Brady's out the door in Tampa. So with Frank. I think he's got a good shot at it. And a lot of people remember he 
when he rolled into Indianapolis and took over the head coaching gig, his first year, they went 10 and six. He had Andrew Luck at the helm and it was a, it was a promising young team. Now they lost to uh, Kansas city in the divisional round, but the thought was in 2019, you know, they were going to be the business and all of a sudden Andrew Luck retires they they stumble through 2019, go seven and nine. They pick up Philip Rivers, 2020. Now I love Philip Rivers. We uh, Philip Rivers, last of the gunslingers. Yes. They go out, but he was an old quarterback. They go out 11 and five, get bounced by the Bills in the wild card, and then they go and pick up Carson Wentz. And we all know how that ends, where Carson Wentz goes brain dead against the Jags at the end of the year, and they end up losing uh, losing their chance to go to the playoffs. And then this year, with another dinosaur quarterback, Matt Ryan, he starts out 3-5-1 and one and loses his job. So if David Tepper of the Panthers is willing to give him a functioning quarterback and not have a quarterback carousel every single year like Frank had at Indianapolis, I think he's got a shot to do something. I mean, he he made the best of bad situations. I mean, he was 40 and 33, 40, 33 and one in Indianapolis in with five different quarterbacks. That's pretty good. So and, with that, uh, we know Tepper's willing to save money. If they can get a guy like Derek Carr in there, an adult, an established NFL veteran, he's still young. He's still got plenty of mileage. Um, he's got plenty of mileage left on him. He's not an old, washed-up quarterback like Matt Ryan was or never was like Carson Wentz. I think they can. I think they can turn the tables and do some stuff, especially in an NFC South that's so depleted. So, I think it's cool too that sh- with Sean Payton's hiring. And Frank Reich, two of the huge issues going on with both the teams, Panthers and Broncos, are quarterbacks. I don't think both. so much. I mean, we the Broncos know who their quarterback is. We don't know who Carolina's quarterbacks is. But what I was saying by that is, like, they both have extensive quarterback coaching. Yeah, you know, and in, in the history, and I think they were both good hires. I still don't know how I feel about Frank Reich yet. But on that, I mean, I mean Frank other than good, Frank was a good quarterback in his time. He was and and I know he played for the Panthers organization in 1995. But other than you know going to the Panthers now, I mean, he's been in the coaching realm since 2006, almost coached for the Indian or Indianapolis Colts you know, all the way up into last year and all but three years with the Cardinals, the Chargers and the Eagles. I'm sorry, four years, but as you said, he has literally been in a carousel of players of, of quarterbacks and he hasn't had anything consistent. And when he did have something consistent, he proved that he could coach. And now it's just, uh, 
what old guy do we think have a little bit, a little bit left to maybe get us to the playoffs? And that's all the Colts have been shooting for. So it's going to be interesting him going over to the Panthers and seeing what they got. And I mean, I know maybe they get a quarterback in there, but I think he might be able to do some stuff with PJ as well at, at quarterback. Cause I think he did decent some of the time or yeah, Sam. Really, yeah. Yeah. Either Darnold or PJ Walker, both. I mean, Neither one are high-caliber quarterbacks, but I think you can win games with them. And it really just depends on what Carolina, how they're going to prioritize their rebuild. Um, they, you know, they traded away a lot of their talent last year, a lot of their big names. So maybe they want, maybe they decide, hey, you know, we'll roll out Sam Darnold another year. We'll we'll roll out PJ Walker because we've just, you know, quarterback is the least of our concerns right now. So. I think Frank will be if if they're willing to give Frank time and maybe they draft a quarterback, but if they're willing to give Frank time and he has consistency at the quarterback position, there's a I feel like they can immediately take the NFC South. I don't see anybody in the NFC South rising up right away and becoming a juggernaut. And I think they can they can build something nice and uh run that division for years to come, but it, it, it we'll have to see how they prioritize their, their rebuild. Once free agency hits and the draft takes place, I think we'll have a lot better idea of what the Panthers are going to be and what Frank has to work with. So off of that, I really want to talk about Demko Ryan's D'Amico Ryan. There you go. Yeah. Uh, that threw me so off guard. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that he was willing to walk away from his situation in San Fran to go to Houston. And great defensive uh, defensive player if I'm not mistaken, he was the defensive rookie of the year in 06. I can pull it up, but yeah. Yeah, defensive rookie in 06. I mean, first team all pro, two-time pro bowl, like yeah, he did great. Defense, I think he did great. As a defensive coach, um, he's only been coaching since 2017, and I would barely put his, you know, defensive quality control coach in 2017 as something. And how are you going to go from 2017 only being a defensive coordinator for one year and? Hey, head coach spot, Houston Texans, come over here and sign a six-year, six-year contract. Well, I think a lot of a lot of teams look at how hiring the young coach, the Sean McVay's, the Cliff Kingsbury's, uh, the most recent example, Kevin O'Connell, very limited, very limited experience as a coach, but he was a QB in the league, and. Minnesota hired him. I think he's only 36. I mean, he's young. So I think, I think that's becoming the trendy new thing in the league. And the interesting thing to me with the Texans is this is once again, it's another defensive minded head coach. And they had that with lovey. No, they didn't have nothing with love. Well, no, right. <laughs> love for a second. The ultimate gentleman, but someone who the game has passed by passed them by. And with the league being such an offensive league, you know, 
I guess D'Amico, we'll have to see who he brings in as coordinators. You look at Robert Sala it, with the Jets. He, uh, another defensive coach, and he struggled his first year, but the roster was also poor. They had Zach Wilson at quarterback, which we learned is not good. But they had they had a skeleton of a roster at least. And the Texans, I just feel like they've been spinning their wheels here for a few years now trying to get this rebuild off the ground. And I think it's I think everybody everybody knows they're gonna draft another QB. And D'Amico must have been sold a bill of goods that, hey, this is a six-year deal. We're going to give you at least three or four years to get this thing off the ground. Because from the outside looking in, I don't know who who would have wanted that job otherwise. Do you think we're going to have another situation like last year of, what was it? Eight hundred million or six hundred million, whatever the hell they wasted. Oh, it was like coaching. fifty million paying. It wasn't. Yeah, it was like fifty. Million whatever the fuck coaches. it was. Yeah, paying coaches that aren't around. That's hard to say. I mean, I think all the coaches that were gone, I, I, I that are fired this year. I we you know we don't know how we don't know what coaches are going to be on the hot seat three or four games into the season. So it's really hard to predict that sort of thing. But I know the league wants the league wants that pattern of behavior to end. It's gonna take it's gonna take finding teams, removing draft picks, something to get teams to stop. But right, right here, Kyle. NFL teams have paid eight hundred million dollars for early firings with head coaches. Okay, so it was eight hundred. I wonder if it was fifty for just last year in particular. Sixty eight hundred over sixty just for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And I know this wasn't just last year, but it's just in general early firings. Yeah, like what the fuck do you do with that? Is yeah. this going to come to an end? Yeah. If- the league set out a nasty gram saying that they, sh- they it needs to come to an end, but the league can say what it wants, but if it's not going to enforce it, then it's just wasted air at that point. So we'll see. Um, it could something might take place in league meetings because you know the owners don't like the owners don't like paying coaches that aren't around anymore. So we'll see what happens in that regard. Um, and I do while we're talking about coaches just because it has to do with the Packers, I want to bring this up as well. It just came out. Mr. Rich B for our special teams coach just finished his second interview to be possibly the Colts head coach. So that would be an interesting fit as well. Yeah, he, yep, he was interim with the Raiders when Gruden got walked out. Was and he, was special was he, teams before that. Was he with the Colts before? <laughs> I seem to remember. He was not he with was, the Colts. He is not. Nope, he has not been with the Colts. So Packers, Raiders, Cowboys, Chargers, Buccaneers. 
He yep. started his coaching career in the NFL with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2002 as a special teams coordinator. Rich, what do you th- Rich Basatia is how you say his yes. last name. Hey, what what do you th- what do you think about him being such a diehard special teams coach? And he did great as an interim head coach for the Raiders. I think he did great. Took him to the um, uh, playoffs. They had their loss in the Bengal or to the Bengals in in Cincinnati, but and it was a close game. But I I don't. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of experience. So while being special teams coordinator, a lot of his stops he was assistant head coach. Yes. So even in the even in the college ranks, he was back at Old Miss, and then at Tampa, San Diego, Dallas. And then the Raiders, he was he was an assistant head coach. So he's been in the room. I agree. He did a great job with the Raiders once he once he took over for Gruden. And it wouldn't be a bad hire. Another adult in the room. Um those guys played for him. It just comes down to: Is Jim Irsay going to be patient? Is he going to let Rich do his do his uh, business, or is he going to be hovering over over his shoulder, like he's done in the past? Exactly. So we'll see. I don't think I think the Colts could do a whole lot worse um, than hiring Rich Vesacia. Uh, so i wouldn't mind that that'd be a good hire for the colts in my mind but they're they brought this what their eighth this has to be about their eighth or ninth candidate that they've interviewed now they've interviewed a lot of people yes they've interviewed a good notch i'm glad that we can finally see an end to the or to the broncos but yeah the broncos also interviewed i think they were at seven or eight as well but the colts could be stalling too because they're they can't interview they can't interview any any coaches from the Chiefs or Eagles. So if they have their sights set on one of those guys, that could be the delay. But like Bellamy or, or yeah, B enemy. Or, or yeah, I mean, everybody's been wanting him. Last year, everybody wanted him. This year, there's already been people talking about wanting to talk. Yeah, to him. they he's he's been a hot candidate for a few years now, but for whatever reason, he hasn't got the job. Which I kind of think he might be. He might be just riding his days out in Kansas City waiting for Andy Reid to retire. Yeah, that too. And I think he's I think he goes to the interviews, but you know, he downplays his resume because I don't at the end of the day he knows he's gonna be getting those rings, he's gonna get recognized as a coach. You know, all that comes at Kansas City and then he's gets to learn underneath one of the greats, Andy Reid, and really figure out what he needs to do to be take that next step. Yeah. And with Andy Reid's son being out of the equation now, so, you know, the torch probably would get passed down to him. Uh, that wasn't nice, Mike. <laughs> that wasn't nice. <laughs> well, he's out of the question, so I think I think, uh, I think, think he would be the next in line. But I, th- okay. I think Randy, I think Andy Reid's got a bunch of years left in there, so I don't think we got to worry about yeah, that. Yeah, I don't think Andy's slowing down anytime soon. So with that, Mike, I think I think we'll uh, we'll delay the Super Bowl talk. It was a good discussion today, and we'll we'll really we'll hit the hit the Super Bowl hard next week. 
So. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and agree with that. So, Kyle, close us out. Yup. With that, this has been the Post Victory Formation Podcast. I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, feel free, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and leave a comment. You know, what do you want us to talk about? What aren't we talking like? What are we talking about that you like? What aren't we talking about that you wish we would? And just any other feedback would be great. So, for Mike, I'm Kyle. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week.